You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. And so it says in verse 5, And David and his men went to Calah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Calah. Hallelujah. The people were saved. And there was not only that, but there was great spoil to be had as they took away the livestock of these Philistines. You know, if you dig a pit, you'll fall into it. We're going to go over there to those Israelites. And after they get done doing all their hard work, we're going to take the fruits of their labor. No, you're going to lose all your livestock instead. Praise the Lord. That is justice. And so these men, despite their fear, they followed the voice of God and they followed their leader, David, and they went into battle. Franklin Roosevelt said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. I like that. I think that this quote fits into our story today. Because here, it was obedience to God is more important than fear. I'm scared, Lord. Yes, I know, but I'm with you, so go. Obey me. Okay, God, my obedience to you is more important than fear. And so I'm going to go despite my fear. And that's courage, friends. And it requires faith, doesn't it? I'm going to trust you, God rather than the circumstances. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to step out. Love for others is more important than fear. And David loved the people of God and the people of Keilah. And therefore, he and his men, despite their fear, went anyway to go rescue these people from the Philistines. And so David and his men had faith through fear. And so when we know that it's God's directive, we can ignore fear and we can move in faith. And so let's do that. Day by day, as we're just following Jesus Christ, Here I am, Lord. I'm yours today. What do you have for me? What do you want for me? How can I serve you? And he just might say, today, my child, my warrior, we're going to go on the attack. There's someone that I want you to share with, or there's some act of kindness that I want you to do, and I want you to give me glory. And sometimes it's just a surprise. Suddenly, you're just on the attack, if you know what I mean, spiritually. It may be today you're going to take a full hour and you're going to labor in prayer on behalf of you fill in the blank. Somebody that's hurting, somebody that's suffering, somebody that is struggling, someone that's on the fence. He might wake you up in the middle of the night and say, it's time to pray. And he'll put a name in your mind. And you just pray. 
And this is what it's like to walk with the Lord. Verse 6. Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. You remember that Doag wiped out all the priests, except there was one priest that got away. His name was Abiathar. And so Abiathar came to David, and David said, hey, this is my fault, this is my doing, but stay with me, you'll be safe with me. So Abiathar came to David, and he had an ephod in his hand. What's an ephod? Well, an ephod is a priestly apron that they used to wear over their tunic. And it had a breastplate on it, and it was also linen. It was woven, but they would weave in stones into the breastplate. So there were 12 stones woven into the breastplate. They believe it had a pouch, and within this pouch were stones called the Urim and the Thummim, or the Urim and the Thummim. And what these stones would do, and nobody knows exactly how they work now, but they would ask questions to the Lord, and, and then these stones would be used to, for God to communicate the answer to them. Now, the one thing, you know, I looked into this a little bit, and there was one um, Christian rabbi who, after researching the, uh, you know, the Jewish resources on this, said that the Urim would be a stone that would light up if it was God speaking, because Urim literally means lights and flashes. And so they gathered that it would light up if it was God that was affirming this. And then the Thummim were actually two stones, a white stone and a black stone, and the white stone was the yes stone, and that connects you to Revelation where God's going to give you a white stone, the stone of acceptance or the stone of affirmation which would connect to the Urim and the Thummim. In the dark stone was a no. And so, so they would reach into the pouch after seeking God's counsel and find answers from him in this way. And so Abiathar comes with this ephod. In verse 7, it says, And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut him in, himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Boy, that sounds like Pharaoh, doesn't it? Oh, they're hemmed in between the sea and the mountains. I've got them. But notice here, I think it's amusing in a way that Saul is convinced that God favors his cause. How is it that some people that are such evil people and they're so lost in darkness can still think that they have the favor of God and that God approves of their cause? Yeah, Saul, I'm on your side. Go kill David. It just amazes me. And it's like terrorists of today, you know, the Islamic terrorists who believe that God is calling them to kill innocent people and approves of this when God does not feel that way at all. And so what about us? Sometimes we might get behind a cause and we're, we think, yeah, this is God and God's on my side. But I think it's really important for us to step back and pray and ask God, God, is this really a cause that you would be behind? And make sure that God really is on your side before you proceed. Verse 8, then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And so he's so blinded by his malice and his hate, he's using his authority to come against his own people. He's going to go besiege the town that David just rescued from the Philistines. 
in order to get David. You see, Saul has slipped into ruling by manipulation, as we're going to see here in a moment, but also uh, using fear tactics. And, oh no, Saul is brutal. I, be I better do what he says. He's become the godfather. Verse 9, when David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. That had to hurt. You know, David and his men just, you know, risked their own lives to rescue these people from the Philistines and saved all of them. And now God's saying, You better get out of there because the people are going to betray you when Saul comes. They're not willing to risk their whole town for you. They would, you know, deliver you over to be arrested. And so God, uh, you know, warns David here so that David and his men can flee. And, of course, Jesus can identify with this, can't he? As, as Jesus had his 12 disciples and poured his life into these men, and yet one of them, Judas, would betray him and be willing to hand him over to the authorities. It was all part of God's plan, but I'm sure it hurt Jesus nonetheless. And so verse 13, So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. <laughs> Just wherever. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. That had to be humbling. You know, as people are coming, I mean, it's not easy to gather a big army in those days, right? It's not easy in these days either. But, you know, back then, just people coming from all over. Oh, Saul's getting the army together, and then you're all ready to go. And then he says, never mind, go home. <laughs> False alarm. And so that's what happens here. And then in verse, uh, verse 14, And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains of the wilderness of Ziph, Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. Thank you, Lord. And so there's this cat and mouse game that's continuing on as David's just running around. Now, remember that David's a warrior. He's a fighter. He would want to confront Saul head on. That would be his natural tendency. But because he cares for Saul, because he respects the Lord and understands that Saul was given the position that he has. He's honoring the Lord and he's honoring Saul by not doing that, but by actually fleeing and running around and, and avoiding Saul. It says here that Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. Friends, God will preserve our lives until it's time to go home. It's as simple as that. He's watching out for us. He loves us. The Bible says it's appointed once for man to die, and then 
the judgment. And we see this again and again in the life of David. As he should have been killed, he should have been caught, but no, he wasn't. He made a narrow escape. And and so it is with our lives, probably more often than we can imagine. Man, I got that red light and I'm running late for work. Lord, why? Well, it's because two lights later, kaboom, if I let that light stay green. We're going to find out in heaven what God did and how much he intervened in our lives to sustain us and to keep us going until it was time for us to go home. And so if you're here and you're breathing, just looking around, making sure it's okay if you're sleeping, as long as you're breathing, (laughs) then God has a purpose for you still, whatever it be. And so just continue to seek the Lord and to serve Him. I think it was Pastor Chuck that went to go see Corey Ten Boom, who was uh, aging and bedridden and had done so much activity for the Lord and couldn't do anything anymore. But she could pray. And Pastor Chuck encouraged her to continue in prayer and to pray for Him because He needed her prayers. And those who are active for the kingdom need the prayers of the saints. Amen? You know, Jesus himself, there were a few occasions where they were ready to kill him, but it wasn't yet his time. In John chapter 10, there's an account where he claims to be the Son of God, and they they say it's blasphemy, and they surround him with stones to kill him. And it just, you know, says, oh, but he slipped away. (laughs) Wasn't his time. Luke chapter 4, Jesus speaks of the miracles in the Old Testament that God did for Gentiles, but not for Jews. And they got really offended by this and wanted to kill him. And it says in Luke 4, 28, so all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. How in the world? (laughs) What? I wonder if someone else got thrown instead. (laughs) Wait, that was the high priest! Wow, it wasn't his time. But then when it was his time, no problem. Okay, here I am. It's time. Take me. Jesus, remember, nobody took his life, but he laid it down for the sins of the world. And friends, God's protecting you until it's time. You're bulletproof, so to speak. Verse 15, but don't test the Lord on that one. Verse 15, so David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. 
So this would be Jonathan and David's last interaction before Jonathan gets killed in battle. But Jonathan remained David's loyal friend through all of this. Remember, he was the crown prince. He was the next in line for the throne. He was one of the reasons that Saul was so mad because Saul wanted the kingdom to go on to his son and to his lineage. But Jonathan was a man of God and recognized that God had shifted over to David. And so he encourages David and tells him, hey, don't be afraid, David. My dad's not going to find you. It's going to be okay. You're going to become king one day, and I'm going to support you. I'm going to be next to you. Now, that didn't happen. God knows why it didn't happen. You know, you wonder, why, Lord? Why did Jonathan had to die in that battle too? And maybe it just would have been that over time, Jonathan and David would have clashed, or who knows? God knows. When it's our time, it's our time. And so Jonathan encourages David and speaks words of faith over him. Verse 19, then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding with us in strongholds in the woods, in the hill of Hakalah, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now, therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And so they're not willing to go after David themselves, but they're willing to betray him, and they're wanting a special reward or favor. Verse 21, and Saul said, blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. So do you hear Saul, what Saul's saying here? Blessed are you the Lord, because you have compassion on me. He's still wanting to manipulate people through pity and through a heavy hand. Verse 22, please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there, for I am told he is very crafty. See, therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides and come, come back to me with certainty and I will go with you. And it shall be, if he is in the land, that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah Verse 24, so they arose and went to Ziph before Saul, but David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. When Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David. Therefore, he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. So all of this is taking place in the, to the south. Um, and directly to the west of the Dead Sea in these wilderness areas where they're just playing cat and mouse, and David's just slipping away, and then Saul will come, and, oh, you should have been here yesterday. He was just here with his whole army, and now he's gone, you know, and, okay, well, let's go over here. Oh, you just missed him, you know, and, and all of this going on. And then it says, this is middle of verse 25. And when Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. Verse 26. Then Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. This is a close call, friends. 
They are so close that there's just a small mountain between them. David's on one side, Saul's on the other. And it says that Saul was seeking to encircle David at this point. And so most likely what he's done is he sent a detachment of his army in the other direction. And they're attempting a pincer move on David. And this would inevitably be successful without a miracle from God. So David and his men, they're in a desperate situation. And some of his men might be thinking at this time, I knew we shouldn't have gone to Kayla, <laughs> but God. And when we're in our most desperate times, friends, we cry out to God. And so verse 27, it says, but a messenger came to Saul saying, hurry and come for the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore, Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. So they called that place the Rock of Escape. Then David went up from there and dwelt in strongholds in En Gedi. Ooh, don't you love that? The Rock of Escape. It was God. We were about to die, and suddenly we saw them leaving. Why? God's perfect timing. The Philistines are invading the land. Called them away, spared David. You know, guys, Jesus is our rock of escape, isn't he? He is. He's the rock that was smitten in the wilderness from which came the life-giving water. Remember that? Moses smote the rock. The water came out. I think it's 2 Corinthians 10 identifies that rock as Jesus Christ. Jesus is the rock of shelter, defense, and escape for David. Jesus is the bedrock upon which we build our house, not on the sand, on the rock. Jesus is the rock of escape. We were desperate in our sins, friends. We were hell-bound, but God got a hold of us, didn't he? God revealed to us the gospel that he sent his son, Jesus, to live the perfect life that we could not live, to die the death that we deserved so that we wouldn't have to. And then he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, acceptable to the Father. And so we too have the hope of heaven, all who believe he is our rock of escape, of escape. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Matthew 21, 44 says, whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. You see, as we fall on the rock of Jesus Christ willingly, as we are broken before him, we break upon him, so to speak. And he's there as our rock of escape to bring us healing and to mend our brokenness, our broken heart over our sin. But if we harden ourselves against him and say, no, I will not fall on the rock to be broken, then the rock will fall on us and grind us to powder. It's a very serious thing. And so Jesus, the king, we will all answer to him one day. And as for me, I decide today to bow my knee to him and to make him my Lord and my Savior. I want to end with Psalms 54. So turn to Psalms 54. 
This psalm was written by David in response to this exact situation where the Ziphites have come to Saul and told on him. And so Psalms 54, it says, to the chief musician with stringed instruments, a contemplation of David when the Ziphites went and said to Saul, is David not hiding with us? And so David writes, save me, O God, by your name and vindicate me by your strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen up against me and oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. Selah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your truth. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me out of all trouble, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.